This is an Area Code podcast. What is the name of our podcast? Call me as an ouchie. Okay. Um. Ouchie! <laughs> ciao. Just say ciao. Ciao. Uh, ciao. 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 I'm Ashley Whitehurst, and I've been performing and directing and teaching and producing improv and sketch comedy for almost 15 years. I think poop jokes are funny. I'm Felicia McLeod, an improviser, writer, voiceover actress, and just started reading tarot cards. Hit your girl up. Hi, my name is Steve Hahn. I'm an improviser, on-camera actor, and director, and my estranged father has tried to connect with me on LinkedIn before. Hi, Kevin. Welcome back to Chow! I'm Ashley. I'm Felicia. I'm Steve. What? We did it. How are you two doing? You know what? I am doing a little good. I think the sun is making me feel hopeful for uh, whatever the future is, but also we don't have to think about the future. We can just think about moment to moment. Um, Mm. So I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah. I'm feeling good as well. I um, This is my first week back since I went to Chicago for a little a little project that you two know about, but I guess I can't talk about yet. Yes. <laughs> I call it big. Uh, uh, so it's been nice to be back, be reunited with my dog. It's actually very cloudy here today in LA. Kind of. What? We kind of swapped. Yeah. It's very cloudy here. Damn, that sucks for you. There's, like no, there's no sun. <laughs> I know. It's awful. Actually, it's raining today. or not? To, it's raining this week, too. Damn. I know. Come I'm back like to Chicago. LA. I know. I'm like, actually, when I was there, everything was so warm. Everything was melting. I was like, it was that sweet spot of Chicago where I associate that time, honestly, with like, if I was in college with spring quarter starting Mm, or in the comedy world, that's when I started doing Bob Curry. That's like when classes start. So I associate that weather with um, being terrified. (laughs) Mm, Scariness. (laughs) Scariness. (laughs) (laughs) no it's a beautiful time it's beautiful anyway let's talk about comedy uh steven felicia what's hurting comedy today what do we got what do we got felicia you you have you have the best voiceover voice so Mm, why don't you let's hear from you let's hear from you let's hear from you i believe it's uh auditions at comedy institutions being inherently unfair and set to allow whiteness to succeed yes audition that felt it that is such a stinging thing to say but it felt so much better when delivered by felicia because <laughs> i like to give it to you smooth i like to stab you very smoothly yes <laughs> she likes to, me um, yeah she likes to dip her to dip her knife in garlic butter before she stabs you <laughs> slide at night and melted into your flesh. Garlic, yeah, exactly. mm, you dead now <laughs> and then pan sear you for five minutes on each side on a on a on a nice skillet <laughs> set it up nice and proper yeah oh uh, with some uh, confit <laughs> yes uh, i guess we're all hungry yeah so we're talking about auditions today and how they are mm. unfair and set up to allow the same type of person to succeed over and over. And this is going to be fun. This is something that we've been talking about, I think, since we all got together to talk about this podcast. So I think this is going to be a good one. <laughs> I hope. Yes. And <laughs> funny, funnily enough, Ashley, I think I've spent the most time with you prior to doing this podcast in auditions, whether it be both of us auditioning or both yep. of us being on Isn't the audi- funny? auditor You're side. So right. yes. We spent a lot of rooms sitting next to each other, looking at each other whenever there's certain coaches that have been yes. heinous. Yes. 
<laughs> and I met you at an audition yeah. because you took me on at, when I was auditioning for Coached Ensembles. So isn't that crazy? Yeah, auditions. But I love this because I think we all have like uh, experience with both sides of the audition, being in an audition and also watching two casts for auditions. So this is going to be a really interesting thing to delve into because we have so much experience on on each side. So let's get into it. It is time for our first segment, level two improv. Are going to talk about what is going on in a specific issue in one of in our institutions. We're going to go deep, not wide, you know, all that good stuff. I think we should start off by assuming we've got listeners who maybe have never been to an improv audition themselves or experienced it and explain the the very general way an improv audition happens because uh, they are different much- than... What'd you say? I was saying they're probably much happier for it. <laughs> yeah, don't. If you're listening to this and you've never done one, just don't. Bless just don't do you. it. <laughs> so yeah, so let's let's talk about the the general setup of a of an improv audition uh, and and the mechanics of that before we actually get into the the actual details. Okay. So. Well, you race to a FedEx to print off your headshot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I forgot. Oh my god. Wait, hold hold on. Felicia, you just triggered a deep memory in me that I honestly Same. was gonna be like, oh you just walk up. No, 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 no. Same. Yeah. Oh or Walgreens. God. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Across. You go there. Oh, I'm triggered right now. I'm triggered to the motherfucking earth. Oh, it's something so uh I almost said wonderful, but I mean the absolute opposite. <laughs> uh, it's something so crazy that I understand for a theater doing that process where you bring your headshot and your resume and it's like an audition. But there's something weird about comedy institutions taking your headshot and then just like throwing it away afterwards. <sighs> I just think that's like, and also like if there's someone who can't afford it, they're not really thinking about like financially how that takes a strain on people. Yeah. I wanted to to mention that when we're joking about FedEx and the reason we all do FedEx uh, is because buying a bulk of headshots is very expensive after yeah. you've already spent up to $500, $600 on headshots. Uh, Cause there are, there are specific printers around town who, who can print it in a really beautiful, I mean, it's beautiful the way they print it. You look gorgeous and everything is, you're not pixelated and all that. stuff. I go but- to Indigo print and shop on, uh, in the South loop. Thank you. Indigo. They're amazing. <laughs> Indigo. Hi, Indigo. What's up? Um, we'll tag you in Twitter. Um, <laughs> so sponsor us <laughs> or just listen. I don't know. One of those things, but yeah, you could, drop 200 bucks on printed uh, headshots in bulk and it's super expensive and takes a bunch of time so we're talking about accessibility there right there like people who are on a limited budget you know may not be able to afford this and they are required at all of the auditions there's a little leeway with some of the uh, beginner auditions like coach ensembles and stuff like that there's a little bit more leeway but once you start getting past that they they people in the rooms do not like it when people don't have the uh, headshot mm-hmm. in their resume. So, yeah, okay. 100%. So it starts with uh, uh, us running to to FedEx. Felicia, take us from there. What happens after that? Okay. And then you uh, get a lift that you can't pay for, but can't you pay have for. Credit to card. be there on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you rush up there. You see a million people mm. in their heads waiting outside after they give their name and their headshots to the person checking them in. And what's their um, wardrobe? What's the wardrobe? <laughs> and the wardrobe is business casual. They say like stage ready. And um, this is for Second City specifically. Because mm-hmm. IO is a different 
IO is a different one. Yeah, I, well, we could talk about that too. We could talk about that too. But we, we, but right now it sounds like you're de- it sounds like you're describing Second City specifically. I'm describing. Second That's City where my specific. head is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then um, they put you in groups of I think like ten. Yeah. To yeah. go warm up with other people that are in their heads about the audition. So you you do a warm up and then they have you come in and get on stage. It's a dark theater. The audience is in the dark. So there's like 10 people probably or more of people that you don't know. And they're sitting in the dark staring at you quietly. Yeah. Yep. Wait, but they're specifically at Second City. It's usually the producers and some of them you don't. You've heard. heard Directors, right? Directors. Yeah. Producers and directors. And you might as well just go home. home. It's done. (laughs) Done. They make you line up in a specific order. Sometimes it's alphabetized. Sometimes I don't know if it's just by when you signed up for the, Mm -hmm. what what order you're in, but they put you in order. I don't think there's an order to other than like when you signed up or alphabetized. Yeah, it feels. I don't think it it doesn't feel intentional. But for me, I would sit there and be like, "Uh, okay, well, it's not alphabetic order, but I'm over here. Like, why did they put me here? Like, you start to get in your brain the minute you step in there and you're trying to like figure out where to put your hands and like you don't want to cross them and you don't want to smile too much because then you look like a freak and then you're just like, what do I do when you're sweating? Um, Okay, cool. So we're lined up on stage. Uh, Steve, take it from there. What happens? What happens after that? You, uh, they say your name one at a time. You step forward and you say your name, your your pronouns if you're so inclined, and then you say a fun fact about yourself. Jesus and they usually Christ. spend this, and they usually spend this time. The producers spend this time to like write down like an identifying factor for you if they don't know who you are. Um, so they'll be like, oh, like you know, like but red button down shirt or heels or whatever and then they will the improvisers uh especially the white men will usually take this time to try to get a joke in for their fun fact um <laughs> i don't know it's why true. they hit me so hard <laughs> they will spend a lot of time brainstorming their fun facts I always say my fun fact did used to get a laugh, but I the first time I said it, I did not mean it to get a laugh. So I <laughs> was like, oh, my God, they're laughing at me. <laughs> um, they did not like my fun fact. I said I was scared of dogs and everyone would be like. And then they read pen the through person. your name. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, OK, you guys don't have fears. OK. OK, go off. Go off. I, I had broken my uh, my ankle or my foot right before a general's audition. So I was in this like big air cast and I was like, I do not want to be the person who shows up. And it's just like, you know, talks about it and makes that the thing about me. And so I didn't. And then I'll never forget. I was just like, oh, my fun fact is, you know, I you know, once uh, interviewed to be a part of the Secret Service or something like that, which I think is cool. <gasps> That's um, cool. It is cool. It was terrifying. But what producer was specifically who uh, I actually like knew like on a like, hey, how's it going? If we saw each other in the building, it was like I said my fact. It was quiet. And then she's like, how'd you break your leg? And I was just like, oh, my God, I don't want to go into this because then you feel weird about this like un uh, unearned attention on you. Right. <laughs> yeah. I feel that way, too, about my fun fact used to be that my estranged father has tried to re- reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love um, that so much. I know. That's so good. And um. I remember like the first time I got a laugh, like this like white guy next to me like looked at me and like glared. And I was yes. like, oh my god. Like he's mad. Yes. He's mad it feels- that my got a reaction. <laughs> I lost it. I know I knew the producers at the time too. So I was, I was like, maybe they're just being nice because they like I know them. But I was yeah. like, Oh, why are you like this? Anyway, so you say your fun fact, you know, they 
blah 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 and then afterwards they make you do these quick scenes where when they say your name you just go forward and someone else from the line joins you and you do like a quick two-person scene if they say your name you're the one initiating the scene and then you they like call scene after like five or so lines and then you go back and then afterwards everyone sits down and they call you up by two or threes and you have to do a longer scene this scene usually lasts for two to three minutes Oh my God, I used to run the coached ensemble auditions. That's why I was like, oh, this feels uh, uh, eerily yeah. familiar to run. <laughs> um, well, we should say something about the first part. Uh, first of all, I want everyone to know that we're typically with people we don't know on stage. I mean, if, you're, if you've been in the industry a lot, in that building a while, you might may know one or two people, but you're typically on stage with people you don't know. Something about the first part, I think that is important because I think it'll come up later while we talk, is they tell you these are these are grounded scenes. We don't want any crazy characters for these these first like this like kind of a you know quick quick two person scenes. Uh, just kind of keep it grounded. We just want to see some like just basic improv techniques, uh, and it's kind of meant as a little bit of a warm up too. So yeah, keep it grounded. No wacky characters. No crazy initiations. We want to make sure that everyone is sort of kind of eased into this. <laughs> but generals is just a little bit different. But yeah, you don't know anyone, and then. You do those longer scenes that are supposed to be grounded, and then that's and then that's it. They and then they say, okay, great, we'll let you know, or no, they don't say we'll let you know. They'll say if the, if you get a callback, you'll know, and if you don't, then you don't. Then you'll know. <laughs> then you'll then know. You'll know. You'll know if your friend, your one of your friends, is gonna get a callback, and you won't. And you'll know because they're going to ask you, did you get a callback? And you'll, you'll be freshing your email and you'll be waiting yep. late into the night, refreshing your email saying, well, maybe I'm just not in the first callback group. And then my you'll last be name waiting. is a W. They're doing it alphabetically to call me. Yeah. Yeah. You'll think you'll think maybe you'll think maybe, you know, that they'll just get you there. You'll go to the Walgreens to distract yourself and leave your phone at home so that you're not constantly checking it. And you'll go get um, a, a, a pint of, of half baked and you'll go you'll go and then you'll walk slowly back to make sure that maybe your email will come now. So you don't want to. Like, you don't want to be there and get disappointed. You unlock the door to your apartment and you go check your phone. And then you see that there's an email notification, but you have your notification specifics off. So you're like excited and your heart is racing and you check. And then it's an email from Equifax saying that you need to check your credit score. <laughs> and it's not an email from Second City call from Second City Auditions. And then you sit down and then you think to yourself, what am I going to do during the day of the callback when my friends are out there succeeding and I'm at home because mm-hmm. I'm shit? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a total mindfuck. So that's that's a basic setup with uh, Second City. With IO, let's talk about the differences there because there is a different vibe there. And we're specifically talking about Herald team auditions after you've gone through a year there and didn't get placed on a Herald team, which for people who don't know what IO Herald teams are, they're just the house teams that get weekly, monthly shows and you, you get to perform a version of... You get to perform in uh, your last level of IO and you're seen by coaches and people on the Herald Commission and perhaps place on a team with a bunch of people. Or there's always an opportunity, usually in the fall, I think it's in the fall, right? September, October, where you can show up to this like big audition and try to get place on a team that gets formed out of that. So let's talk about the nuances of, of IO auditions because they're... They're fun. There's something else. <laughs> you're back at FedEx. You're back at FedEx. Yeah, you got to go back late. to the start. <laughs> so you go warm up and then you get put into a group. And then actually the process itself is a li- it's pretty similar in terms of like the first round because it's the same thing where there's like a callback. The, se- the second round, the callback is totally different for IO. But the first round is pretty similar where like you do short scenes and then you do a longer scene. And then you guys do like, you ask for like, I think, what is it? Is it, is it just a montage at the end? Like a 10 minute montage or something? And then just a montage at the end. Yeah. Which yeah, is and so a montage cool. is just a medley of scenes. Just, it's just like a hodgepodge of scenes that you self edit and whatnot. If you don't know what a montage is. Sorry. Yeah. And I know people have like different experiences, but when I was auditioning for all these theaters, I was the first theater that 
I felt welcomed and I felt like they wanted me to have fun. It could be whoever was like on the commission at that time. I'm not exactly sure other people's experience, but when I went, it was like, it was actually really fun. It's the people auditioning the people. It's not the it's not the institution auditioning. Like it's like I mean you're as the commission you're part of the institution, but like it's like fellow improvisers there. So they're like cheering for you. They play music when you walk in. It's just such a stark difference in energy for auditioning for generals at Second City and IO because at IO like there's like music playing and people walk in and they cheer you on. But at Second City it's like quiet. All the producers are staring at you. They're whispering. It's just like a totally different vibe. Oh, so, so something that I liked about IO auditions is that the audition mimics what you're going to actually be doing eventually. So I know in the callback for Heralds is you get to do a Herald. Like you actually get to perform what you are trying to do. Whereas Second City is just like, okay, in two minutes, do this two person scene. But like you're going to be doing so much more when you're on Torco and on main stage. And so I think that's a big difference too, is you get, you get to like actually show how, because listen, you, we, and we know this, we're going to get into this, but you can be a good, a fantastic auditioner for two minutes. You can, ch- you can, you can just crush it in two minutes. Can you play on a team with other people? Can you be on a like shared stage where you're, you know, uh, heightening a scene or helping a scene or or, or something like that? So I, I think that was the cool thing about IO auditions, where it was just like that was genuinely a blast. I got to improvise. I got to have fun. You know. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the that's the IO audition where. Yeah, it's just it's 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 the same thing. So I guess now we can go now, now that that was a really long explanation for what these auditions are, but but hopefully you, we just saved you thirty six hundred dollars, everybody, so you don't have to do any of this. In case you couldn't tell, the three of us hate auditions. <laughs> yeah, and it, and you don't realize uh, you don't realize how much you need to get out of your head until you're on the other side of the audition until yes. you're being one of the auditors in the room, and then you realize like, oh, we just want to see people have fun. Yep. I think with IO, like the auditions were more fun because the stakes were lower, maybe if that's the right word. Whereas the second say the stakes were higher, but it, it's this thing where it's like it's still improv. So it's like you're trying to make improv into this like thing that's like an on camera audition. That's like this um, objective. I mean, on camera auditions are not objective either, but it's just like the vibe of it didn't match with like the art that we were doing. You know what I mean? Like, oh my god, we're like making jokes and you're not laughing. Like, yeah, that I think we're that's doing it. Comedy. Steve. Yeah, where where you spend your entire training being told that improv is a collaborative art, and then you get on stage and you're kind of hung out to dry, essentially. And that sort of, I think, nicely will segue into into our like thesis of the of the podcast is how how something like this benefits whiteness specifically, you know, where the the kooky white guy gets to like completely unload at the audition, but it's seen as sort of quirky and like charming. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've been in an audition and watched that and then just like, and that person got hired and I'm just like, I, I don't understand. It was, it was difficult to be in that, that scene with that person. And so you spend your entire time responding to that. And so that's my take on it, but I'm eager to hear from your experiences how in auditions it's felt like it's been sort of set up to help push whiteness over over any other point of view because i feel like whiteness is like normalized like the even like references so it's like Mm. i could come out there with a reference of like living single or girlfriends and people would be like what and i think that's hilarious and not having somebody on board and then i just get like written off where it's like well that's not funny because you weren't like contributing and you're like what yeah it's this idea of like Western whiteness, like is the norm for comedy and all of the, and I will say this, I have a lot of privilege in that like a lot of my pop culture, I think it's because I like 
was like i came i came out of the closet and like was being bullied around the same time that glee was popular so maybe that's why like pop culture references like white western pop culture references have stuck in my mind but like if you don't have a white centric referential point of view it's really hard to succeed in that room and a lot of times like black performers will have like different experiences and different references and they're not de- they're deemed as not funny but who's determining that you know what i mean and yeah it's, comedy it's, is subjective for sure comedy is very subjective and it's 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 hard because the only time that they in auditions at least that i've seen where you're rewarded for having a different point of view is what is when it's showcased in in junction with the white experience like to be black if you're going to do like a black joke, it has to be like through the, a black joke through the lens of a white person. Like it can't be, it can't be a black joke that just exists, whatever that means, but it can't be a black joke that exists like in a vacuum, make it palatable and make it understandable and make it exist again. And like, it has to be like, what does blackness look like when it's existing next to whiteness? What does blackness look, why can't blackness just exist on its own, right? What does Asian, being Asian, what does the Asian American experience look like when, like, it's always like my jokes have to be like, oh, this person was offensive to me by calling me ching chong or whatever right instead of me just being like as an asian i never think that so why can't i just do comedy that's inherently to me right it's this idea that like certain racial groups can't be funny when in reality they're very funny they're just not funny from a white centric point of view and so whiteness is for sure rewarded because there are jokes that i've made at an audition that i thought were inherently hilarious and i had to adapt my auditioning style that i've internalized honestly i've had to internalize a lot of my auditioning style um and how i perform because i know what a white audience wants versus like a white audience if i make a shrek joke a white audience loves that shit which is like fine because i love shrek but like i can't make a joke about like you know i i have jokes that i make about like the the lived experiences of like being asian american or the lived experiences of like growing up and being called like xyz even my stand-up set that i do all the time about being called shamu i do that i that story is about like white people calling me that it's not about like me just existing as an asian american in a vacuum mm-hmm. and it's like you have to talk about your trauma in order for people to pay attention to when you're yeah, like why 100%. can't i just like come out here and be uh be a mermaid yeah and it's like Mm -hmm. yeah i was also just thinking too like the way they're set up you i think all told probably get seen for maybe exactly two minutes you know when all is said and done in a 30 minute audition and whenever i've casted people for sketch cast or coach ensembles or I'll, i'll talk to other groups that i coach and it's just like understanding that auditions are inherently unfair for for everybody but i mean the stakes are obviously it's more unfair for for people of color and marginalized communities but making sure that people know like on the other side what we're looking for is just like just being a supportive player having fun and competence, right? You know, and not like making a rape joke and asking your female scene partner to have to respond to that. Guess what? That female scene partner is going to get cast now because she just handled that like a pro. But like, but like being able to, to just show that you are confident and capable on stage and you take direction well, or you're able to um, navigate any sort of tricky scenes that come up in a really supportive way. You don't have to come out and be like, Chris Farley or, you know, Jordan Peele right off the bat, especially when we're talking about 
six you know these like baby improvisers but i was gonna say i think something to the end too though i think that like there needs to be a level of understanding and i think it needs to come from the perspective of an auditor of color where like that like it's hard for people of color to like support and whatever if they don't feel supported do you know what i mean like th- there's always this assumption that like we as performers of color need to go out there and like say yes and so quickly and readily and do blah 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 but it's like this white heifer is not doing the same thing for me so like why and why is the ownness on me and then and 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 it's just this idea where like especially as performers as students of color felicia and i you know we probably were the only one of one of two if that or maybe three but usually the only one that looks like us in a room growing up right or like coming up rather and so as we're coming up we have not experienced that same level of like whatever so we like as improv as improvisers either one of two things happens either we get used to performing in all white groups and so then like but like our style is that of like being used to being like the other or the marginalized one and so we we play that way and then that doesn't translate well in auditions or we get used to performing we find these like communities like you know like preach or like stir friday night for myself or whatever you find these groups that are like specifically for people who look and sound like you i i guess and um if that or have a a marginalized perspective and you get used to playing with them and then when you're put into like an all-white setting it's just jarring to 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 not have that same level of support right so there needs to be an onus on the performers in power which are like white auditioners to to understand that and white auditors as well to when they're watching a perform player and I've internalized this and I'm, I, I've been part of that problem for sure as an auditor where it's like, I'm like, why is that performer of color not doing the same? And you have to understand that they, they're coming from lived experiences. So why would they support this person if they've never received support back in a situation like that before? I do wonder like if they're, if in the future there's able to be like teaching moments in the middle of auditioning where if something is said that's like offhand or like racist or and in the moment something is called off i wonder if there if it'd be helpful if it's like done right there in the moment or how how to go about i don't know just like fixing that i I, yeah i love that idea because i I think we've all probably had experiences where we have panicked on stage and you just say like i did one audition where i I was like like i got off and i was like i i was i forgot everything i I denied the entire time i just completely railroaded that person you panic it happens you get nerves and as you get more experience you get a little better with that but i think i think kind of what you're touching on felicia is maybe helping people giving some people the a little bit of a nudge to correct. And if they can do that in the moment and understand like, oh, you're right. And give them that like space to sort of breathe. We, you might be able to pull something really interesting out of them and see, see a different, but it has to be fair and equitable, right? We can't just be doing that for white people who say the N word during an audition or something like that. It needs to be for every, for, for everybody. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I, I like this idea of teaching moments. It is interesting. I don't know. It's just this thing where it's like the, the teaching moments have to happen. I think, I don't know. It's like, who's doing the teaching moment, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think like, I think there's like a lot of well-meaning white teachers, even as like a city or a lot of like well-meaning white people who just like do not have the know-how or the wherewithal to be able to have like a nuanced take on things, but they, but they know what's right and they know what's wrong, but it's like 
to do a teaching moment in let's say, let, let's say like I'll cover this like let's say like we there's like a performer of color in front of us who's like auditioning and he's like he's struggling and he's just like not making like the best choices but he's trying he's really really trying but then like a white teacher cuts him off and is like well we need to work on this it's like well you know what i mean so i and and that's i mean that goes back to our like a few episodes ago where we just like need more teachers of we just need more auditors of color p- people of color and power honestly but it's just like if i were a student and i was like stopped in audition and like a white man told me like hey let's like try this thing out instead i'd be like mm. well who the fuck are you like that's i don't know yeah do you know what i mean like i don't i yeah, but on the flip side, it's like I'm totally empathizing with this because it's like, okay, you can do it that way. But then the other side is, are you relying then on your the one or two people of color as an auditor to be the the person in that moment? And that is so much that is so much burden to further place at these people's feet. You know, exactly. it's I don't I don't know what the fix is. Maybe maybe it's we we have uh, more aud- how to audition workshops. It's built into the curriculum because if if Second City specifically wants to be an equity house and wants to say that you should be uh, ready for professional stages after you finish your your training, maybe they need to be teaching people here's here's some good audition tips and here's here's what we expect to see from you and it's it's more than just a teacher staying after class and kind of explaining it to you kind of like you know one-on-one i don't know maybe that's the fix i mean auditioning is a skill auditioning (laughs) is a totally different skill there needs to be a class on that i did not get good at auditioning i'm still not good at auditioning for improv um i did not i did not get good at auditioning for like on camera stuff until like three years in but with improv like no one sits you down and tells you like what you're you never get notes after an audition i've if i've cast someone i'll tell them like maybe like what they can work on in a future audition if they didn't do something that well but i still cast them but very rarely do you ever get notes and like get taught how to do an audition well and it's a very hard skill it's hard though because it's like you have 300 people come and audition and then you have to reach out to them and some people are going to be like no I didn't and you're like okay bitch <laughs> I, I told you what I saw yeah so I just don't I feel like I like the idea of having some type of class or workshop where it's like these are some proper things that you should do during auditions these are things you should avoid doing do you know what was yeah. so helpful did you do that bob curry like practice audition thing in 2018 they existed every uh, year but i remember that year um my good judy one of my closest friends elias rios who i hate um ran i love Easter- him i hate i hate him i hate his guts um he um he <laughs> he ran like this like testing mm-hmm. testing thing and it was so helpful because former bob curry alum came and like watched everyone's bits we did a montage to practice improv and they gave you individual so nice. notes it was so helpful because i never auditioned for anything like that before when i auditioned for bob curry i had never done anything like that before and i was like i got so many notes that were so helpful that i implemented and that's like why i got it, you know what i mean so that was so helpful and i wish that things like that existed just like in general mm-hmm. yeah it would be really helpful because it is it is one of those things like i go back to like it's, you get seen for two minutes and um you it's the fun quirky guy could have just an amazing two minutes and they like to say they like to say that it's your auditions and your casting is based only on those that audition but we know Lies. that's Doesn't not lie. true uh fun fact <laughs> We've all been on the other side. And and some things are very important to consider too. Like you also want to talk about like, is this person safe for other people to be on stage with? Like that's important to bring in. But it it feels like any rooms I've been in, it, a lot more benefit of the doubt is given to 
white people and 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 sort of like well they didn't do so great today but i've had him in the past and he's been doing this and i'm obviously using male pronouns for a reason here <laughs> um uh but also for for women so i i feel like the benefit of the doubt when we start to consider externally what these what people can do is almost always applied to white people on stage who have maybe didn't audition very well i think also everybody should be going through like some type of bias workshop too because a lot of like white people don't even realize their biases when they're in audition so they'll see an audition and it's a person of color and they're defending themselves and then in the next scene it's a white person and they call the person bitch and they're like that scene was so funny and then when it comes to the person of color they're like they're really defensive and they're not understanding like okay well do you understand why they were being defensive in that moment and like what happened so i just think that's really interesting too 100 percent, and i and and people of color are guilty of it too i'm guilty of it i have a lot of internalized bias where i have like a lot of like and i'm i'm like saying it out loud so i can hold myself accountable where i i used to really have this mindset of like well I have barely any comedic training and I got this. So like, why can't you? And it's like, well, you've, yeah, you've been, on them. yeah. And I'm like, you've been trained your entire life to be funny. Like, what are you talking about? Like not professionally, but like, you've never been set up to fail. You went to like an Ivy league plus school. Like you're why, why, like how dare I have this mentality towards like performers of color who don't have the same privileges that I do. You know what I mean? And it's like, I have a lot of biases that I've internalized that I'm working really hard during this pandemic to like unlearn where it's like, I, I, it's like, have you seen the movie Dear White People or the TV show? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The first it's season. Like, yeah. 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 It's like, it, it feels a lot like the points that they make in that with like Coco. So it's this idea of like, you have to be equitable. It's all, it's all goes back to the equity, yeah. right? It always goes back to equity. Well, this is a question I want to ask you since you've both been on the other side and, and been auditing. Do you feel like there's extra pressure on you when you're casting? You know, let's say you have X amount of people of color auditioning. Do you feel like maybe I'm not phrasing this right? Um, when it comes to the actual casting, do you feel like you have pressure to pick certain people, or maybe to Steve's point, be overly critical of certain people, or be the person in the room who speaks up and says, "Well." Maybe we should consider X, Y, Z when we're talking about this person because the seed happened and it was kind of terrible for that person. You do because you want to be respectful to other people, but you also want to be like, that's bullshit. You're not seeing your own biases. Mm. So you're like trying to you're trying to teach people and be an auditor at the same time. So I think it's like really exhausting. What just came to my brain, and I, I hope this is a, a seamless segue because I, I wrote it down as something that I think is important to talk about when we're talking about auditions and how they benefit white people, is the accessibility to these programs. And we've talked about this in other podcasts, the accessibility to these programs that you have to complete, which is a form of gatekeeping in itself, to even be able to audition for these places. Whatever happened before that was a failure of our institution to not outreach and not bring in or, you know, make make uh, classes or programs a little more accessible for different populations. And I don't know how to fix that. I think we tried in the last podcast, but. <laughs> I think that there needs to be way more scholarships. There needs to be way more 
intentional outreach. There needs to be intentional outreach. Intentional, intentional outreach, right? Not oh, just and no, outreach. can I go on a rant real quick? No scholarships that require you you to write a fucking essay or prove that you're worth this. It's just if you need it, you're fucking getting it. You know, I'm so sick 100%. of that like type of like oh you yeah you are you are pathetic enough. Let me let, let's let you in. No, that's bullshit. It's a yeah. way. To, I love it's a way we to, love yeah. so we love socialist actually, <laughs> and so so right. I think the answer is like, just start to do something, just do something instead of them just thinking about, okay, we'll just say we're doing diversity and outreach and just saying it to say it, like do something. And if it's a mistake, learn from it and move forward and do something else. Yeah. Hire someone from the South side, hire someone from Devon, hire people who know these communities ins and outs of it to do the work that you need to be doing. It's it's why Georgia flipped blue, right? It was the grassroots on the ground, like yeah. ground level that that got got that. It wasn't Joe Biden visiting once or twice. It was mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams and and all those other La- Latasha Brown, all those other women. And, and it just starts with like these little communities. It starts it starts very granular. So you may not you're not tapping into a community that may not want to pay for these classes, but who cares? Like get these points of views in this in the in the, the building so that they are there by the time like it's audition time they are ready to audition and then that's you can't you can't see a bunch of white people walk in on the stage for auditions and go man we've got a diversity problem what's what can we do to fix it it's steps like this right and then and then think about the shows that you could create I was just thinking like how dope it would be to have like somebody from Chinatown and somebody who is an Indian American and uh, you know all these different points of views on stage in one review like it would be so full of texture and like, that's what the complexity. Bob Kerr showcase is yeah that's like what the that's why that Bob Kerr showcase is so magical yes. every year it's so freaking good because it's yes. all these different perspectives and um and and I, I, we can move on to our next our next segment soon, but it's it's this point where it's like I, what you said reminded me of this. It's like it it needs to happen from the auditioner side. It also needs to happen from the other side. We need to change the way in which auditions are also happening, and we need to change the people who are sitting in those rooms. And something I I wanted to touch on before we move on that I I can't believe we haven't mentioned is maybe a reason why the IO auditions felt a little more fun, uh, inaccessible than than the Second City ones. We forgot to tell everybody when the Second City Generals auditions usually happen and how inaccessible and unattainable it is for certain people because they are during the week, sometimes as early as nine o'clock in the morning, sometimes in the middle of your day. So you need to have some sort of flexibility in your schedule. You don't get that time. Sometimes if you're if you are working shift work, you probably don't get that specific time and date um, well enough to be able to, to shift around your work. But Felicia, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that because it's something I think about too, where I think IO auditions were always Saturdays and Second Cities are usually during the week during working hours which is insane <laughs> uh, they run on they run on a tuesday wednesday uh first round and then callbacks are on friday so like they're oh, all yeah. during the weekday yeah and you're like first of all i have to get out there how am i gonna get out there who's gonna if someone has kids right. who's gonna watch my kids or who's gonna i i can't get off of work that time so it's like really not thinking about other people and i'm i've done multiple times where uh, I've had friends that are nannies Mm. that I would take care of their kids while they go to an audition for generals and you're like it should not be like that yeah I don't understand yeah yeah it's it's crazy and and I think it's this another reason why the whiteness floats to the top because it's just like those are the (laughs) it's like saturating the environment with all these people so obviously they're gonna have a better shot at this because there's 
there's probably a myriad of uh, scientific studies we could quote about, you know, who's in what jobs and who has that flexibility and specifically now the, the working from homes and stuff like that. Let's move on. It's time for the shit jar. Do either of you have an audition themed shit jar entry <laughs> that you would like to put in? I feel like I've like blacked out all of them <laughs> just just so I don't wake up at 3 a.m. Panicking. In a sweat. Yeah. Like <laughs> what happened? So I've really like just swallowed it down and act like it never happened. I mean, I have one that has nothing. It, it, it's a it's a, a story that happened. So you know, so you know, a few weeks ago, I told you that story about that kid that tried to get me fired because I called him out at the a jam. There is a certain teacher at Second City who's like buddy buddy with him and like those jam rats. And this teacher, I won't use pronouns, so you don't know, you can't specify. But this teacher is like friends with all of them and i as a person i was the only person of color in the room that day i remember very clearly this happening and you were there actually actually and i think i looked at you when this happened because i was like annoyed or whatever and you were like girl i don't know what's happening <laughs> but um <laughs> so i remember because yeah you and i usually sit next to each other like on the left like far away from not far away but we used to sit on the left side like away from people um but they this teacher i was like talking about the student and i was like this is ridiculous right and this teacher was like well you know he's like actually a really nice kid he's like really nice to me and like he's like not that bad and like maybe there was a misunderstanding but like i've never experienced that and i was like miss thing you're white you are white and you like you you are giving this kid a second chance when like he was inherently problematic and you're like as a white person are trying to call me out in like a room full of people like of other white people saying that like i am not being fair and it's like no i as a person of color am allowed to have this opinion well first off but second of all like you need to understand like what it looks like from your end when you are a white person telling a person of color that their perspective on racism is not like right or whatever right and i was in that moment i was like this is whack this is whack well, especially again, when we, we, that was the casting part. All the auditions were done. We were going through each person. I remember this. And again, I come back to this notion that you're told it's, it, it's about what happens in the room. But in that instance, the rules got bent, right? And this person bent the rules to make room for somebody who took someone else's spot, essentially, by casting this person, by saying, you know, their experience had been different, which was, which is also totally not in the spirit of improv. And, uh, you know, when, when someone says, Hey, this is the thing that come, came up, you, you need to be supportive, especially as a fellow colleague and a fellow improviser. So that's just like a form of like, just terrible auditing in the service and, and of whiteness. <laughs> and I want to say real quickly too, it's interesting to me because uh, if, if you are listening to this and you don't know, Second City recently, all the teachers unionized recently which is great and very cool. Yep. It is interesting to me because some of the people who like are running it or whatever, I'm like, you're part of the problem. Like, yep. why are you running this? Yep. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so that's, those are my two cents on the union, but <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm in it. I'm in it and I'm, I'm all for unions, but I'm like, yo, you need to like, I mean, I know this isn't like not workers rights or, or job rights or whatever, but like you, you're whack. You are whack. Um, yeah. So for that shit jar entry, it sounds like it's it's basically an instance of an auditor bending rules to make way for uh, 
somebody to take someone else's spot who is, and in this case, as is the same in many cases, it was a white person who got to benefit from that. If it was a person of color who had done something like that, it would have been immediate. No, let's throw out that FedEx headshot (laughs) that they ran to, (laughs) to get. How do we fix something like this besides getting more people of color in the auditing room? What is a a moment? You know what, Steve, in that moment, um, I'm gonna call myself out. It's something I probably could have uh, spoken up about, honestly, in that moment and just said, full stop. He said, this is what happened to him. We need to be supportive of the situation. And if you're going to cast somebody like this, you are reinforcing that that bad behavior is what belongs in this building. And you are negating somebody who has been harmed from this. So that's on me, right? That's a mistake I made. And going forward, it's a, it's a thing I need to like be ready to like jump in and say my two cents. <laughs> I mean, and I, and I appreciate that, but also I will say like there was, it was just, I, I hate saying this, but things were like, like for both of us as like non-white men, it's scary to speak out. Sure. No, I, you know, I'm just going to say it. The person who was doing it was a, a cis woman, but that was mm-hmm. being part of the problem in the room. But for us, like it's hard as like, as like non-white men to speak up. And I think the, and being scared of it doesn't mean, and there's obviously levels of privilege there, but I will say like, I think things are just different. And I have a lot more renewed vigor for speaking out now than I did prior to the pandemic even. Mm -hmm. And every single problem student I had, I always felt terrified. And now if that happened to me, I'd be like, and what? And you're going to fire me? I have what? I have a sharp tongue. I have a sharp tongue and a social media following. So you want you you want that? <laughs> try me. <laughs> try me. I would love to see you try me. Please, I encourage it. I I'm bored. I need something to do. I don't know how to knit. Please. Give me a reason. Give me a reason. Pink called. She said, "Just give me a reason, okay? Mm. Please, please, please." But you know, at the time, I for sure was like, "Oh God, I'm, I'm so terrified. I'm so terrified." And when she said, "Like, oh, whatever," and everyone was like, "Oh yeah, you know, maybe I, I, I mean," and Ash, I remember because the two of us looked at each other and we were like, "This is whack." But yeah. you know what I mean, like, she, it's, yeah. it's just different. Yeah, anyway. And that was yeah. our way. That was our way of like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I just don't understand how people can't realize two things can exist. Like he can very well be a very wonderful person to you. If you don't put your reality onto me, I am telling you what happened with me. And if you are not able to understand that, then you shouldn't have the power. If you're not able to like check your own bias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. And like, don't be a teacher. If you can't even, if you can't even take a half step to like identify with what your fellow colleague is telling you, how mm-hmm. the hell are you going to handle a person of color you're teaching coming to you and being like, I felt unsafe in this scene, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so, it's so infuriating. And it comes back to something you said, Felicia, that stuck with me uh, the past, the past few months is, Improv is so easy. It's just listening and responding. And in that moment, (laughs) this person was just like, nope, I know what I want. And it is this person right here. And you, person of color, don't get to tell me otherwise, you know? Yeah. I'm like, bitch, all that training and you don't know how to yes and. (laughs) Exactly. What are you doing teaching? (laughs) Stop it. Yeah. Oh, what a shit jar entry that was. All right. Let's get to our last segment. It's our improv edit segment. All right, we're going to call something out that we talked about today and we're going to sweep at it or call lights or tag it out or any other improv edit we miss doing in an awkward way on anything we talked about. <laughs> Steve, what you got? Um, 
I'm going to yes and and support FedEx for being there for us <laughs> when no yes, one yeah. else was. Okay, the FedEx printers were there for us when no one else was. Right, the the fear of our eyes, <laughs> panting in dress business casual dress clothes. Um, sweating up a storm while in those FedExes, they were there for us with the AC and the good vibes. Yes, I am going to. Uh, I appreciate them, but I am going to call lights on having physical uh, headshots and resumes. It's like I'm going to virtually send it to you, and y'all put it in a Google Doc. And they made us do that anyway. They used they to did. make us send That's it online so and then again. Yeah. yeah, what you doing twice? That is so true. I am. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna channel the energy of a of a, a quirky white dude who gets cast on main stage eventually. Uh, and then if I show up to an audition and I, it's all white people, I'm gonna. I'm gonna cause a scene. <laughs> I'm gonna say something. <laughs> what do you? What am I gonna lose? Uh, <laughs> except the job. Uh, <laughs> you have nothing to lose and everything to gain, but your but the the, the chains on our yeah. wrists. <laughs> And the poor person like taking the headshots will be like, I- I'm making I'm making five dollars an hour and getting a free class. Don't take it on me. It's like, <laughs> let me in the room then. <laughs> yeah, this poor kid's like, I go to DePaul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but for real, Please don't be the, the real the real thing on that is uh, is to be pushing more for the the granular support to get different points of views and different people in these buildings. Um, the excuses are have run out. There's no there's no excuse. We can do anything in a virtual world. So let's make it happen. Boom. We done. (laughs) Oh, man. I have missed you guys. It was so good to talk to you and see your faces. I loved it. And I'm going to be sad to not talk to you after this for like a week. (laughs) It'll be a long time. Yeah, it's super ominous. Una una semana. Thanks for joining us on Comedy Has an Ouchie. If you have a shit jar entry, we would love to read it. So email us at comedyhasanouchie at gmail.com. Yeah, and and uh, we will we will share that if you would like. Um, hey, Steve, what you up to after this? I'm going to eat. I'm hunky. What, what's, what's for food? I'm hunky hunky. I don't know. I might make some ramen. <gasps> like, not like cup ramen, like actual ramen. Like, I got some noodles and I... I might make a broth with some spices. I might chop up some things and put some eggs in there. Uh, might soft boil yes. an egg and put that That's in the there. the best part. Oh, yes. I add like three of those to so. my ramen, as if the sodium in that ramen isn't already high enough. <laughs> uh, Felicia, what are you up to? To be honest, I have to go to the bathroom, so I'm probably, and I can't think past that, so I'm probably just going to do that and then <laughs> lay down. <laughs> <laughs> girls gotta pee girls gotta pee i can't wait to the, like we we look when we're back in person we look back on like the simpler times we could just go to the bathroom and lay down <laughs> that's amazing i'm gonna miss those oh times. my god okay i'll make mine quick i am gonna go do some laundry it's laundry day and my i had to use Ooh, my thank you i had to use my bath towels and my dog to wipe her money paws off so you know i don't want to oh my god me too yeah it's crazy it's crazy my dog got so dirty what a oh. dirty dog. <laughs> dirty dog. <laughs> All right, that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to go try and be decent humans, and that's it. Beep. Bye.
This is an area code podcast.